Welcome back to the FlowTrack Podcast. Happy 2020. I'm Kevin, joined by Gordon. Our email address, Podcast at gmail.com. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen. Gordon, how are you doing today? Doing good. Happy New Year. It's been a while since we last did a pod. Uh, we haven't done a pod like in two weeks. All the pods you got back in December were pre-recorded. There were countdown pods, but now this is an actual real-life pod happening in real time <laughs> in your ear or on in your face on video. So it's good to be back January 5th. Thought about doing one earlier, but hey, we needed the vacation. I just got back from my uh, – I went home for break, so I got back last night. So this is my first time back in Austin, Texas. So I'm happy to be back. Better, te- better weather here, man. Better temperature in Texas than in Pennsylvania, I'll tell you that. So, <laughs> Allergies right now are killing me, so I would sacrifice some of the better weather for less cedar in the air. But can't complain about anything. We're in a new year. We've entered what we believe to be an Olympic year, which is exciting. We don't know that 100%, but I'm going to call it an Olympic year until proven otherwise. Uh, let's start, though, with a bit of news about the show. Do you want to talk about Lincoln or do you want me to talk about Lincoln? What happened to Lincoln? I don't know. What happened to Lincoln? Lincoln's Lincoln's no longer on the show, guys. So if you're a Lincoln stan out there, or even if you're just a Lincoln fan, you're going to be disappointed. Um, As you probably noticed, though, from watching the show, if you ever watched the show, you notice behind Lincoln, it would always feature – just amazing art done by his wife. And his wife, as he mentioned, is a very successful artist. We would joke and stuff about that, but we were actually serious about that. That was the one thing of the show that was serious. Um, And he's unfortunately left us to to help her grow her art business. So no more hype shed, Gordon. I thought that was going to turn into a podcast studio, but it's just going to be full-on art studio. I had such high hopes. I know. I had high hopes too. Uh, I'm going to miss Lincoln. Uh, it's a it's a bummer situation. I remember when Lincoln first uh, worked at Flow back in 2014. He was part of a new crew that I groomed and raised. Remember Meg Bellino, <laughs> Taylor Dutch, uh, James Cameron, and Lincoln. They all came at the same time. Now they've all since have left us. Lincoln did a second stint, season two, uh, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, mm-hmm. when it came, what, two years ago? But now yeah. his wife is just so successful. Check out her Instagram. So, what is it? Sorry, not sorry. That's where I don't know. With an sorry. S-A-R-I. S-A-R-I, I think, is the uh, yeah. the spelling on that, correct? Yeah, just Google sorry, S-A-R-I, and then not N-O-T, and then sorry, S-O-R-R-Y, and you'll see all this stuff. So Lincoln going off to greener pastures. Maybe we can get him on as a guest. I think we should. I think mm. we will. Uh, when we need something to debate or we need someone to disagree with me, we can bring him back yeah, on yeah. as a, a celebrity guest. He'll be a celebrity guest now, not just a regular guest. He's a celebrity guest. Which season of Lincoln was your favorite, one or two? Oh, it's got to be uh, one. Season one was great. He was younger. Uh, really? just, yeah, he's younger, just doing every – yeah, he had some wild takes, you know, going on like road trips for season one mm-hmm. of Lincoln was a good time. So mm-hmm. it's kind of weird. I mean, little did I know <laughs> that 
the day before I left for NCA indoors. It was going to be the last time I see Lincoln in person. Oh, wow. That's right. Right? That's crazy. You may never see him in person again. I mean, that I might be hyperbolic. You could just – I know. I mean, he lives so far out of town. We're not going to be able to see him. Do, you, do we want to share favorite Lincoln memories? Is that – can we do that Did here? Did you make a is list? A, is, I didn't make How a list. I made <laughs> – I made a list of bold predictions for 2021, and that took me long enough, so I didn't get time to do my Lincoln list. Uh, I mean, a lot of this stuff, you and I find it funny just because we were around him all the time, but I don't know how funny other people would find it. One thing I liked about Lincoln, one quirk that he would have is he would get in the mix zone, the interview area, after races, and he would just sort of like – he would make it his own, right? He kind of like block out everybody else and and just really go for it sometimes with interviews. And sometimes he'd get so into the interview. It was almost like, do you remember that scene in Old School where Will Ferrell, where they're in the competition and he gives that really long, intricate answer and he's debating James Carville and he's like, what happened? I just blacked out. And, yeah, yeah. You know, like that was kind of like Lincoln. He'd just go into these interviews and and just get so wrapped in them, he'd kind of forget about them. So famously, you know, in Doha, when the Salazar suspension happened, you know, he was really asking like, um, you know, there were good questions, like really, really, really pointed questions um, of people who had trained um, in that in that group. Uh, and I think part of that was kind of encouraged on by, you know, you have all these other big time media members. But the one I remember, it was actually before that. This was before we were in Doha. It was actually NCAAs in Austin. And it was with Wayne Kaladi of all people, which you've interviewed Wayne Kaladi before. I've interviewed Wayne Kaladi before. Super nice. Super nice awesome personality and she wins a lot. So everybody's usually in a good mood. Well, if you remember that 10,000 meter race, she was way up and then Carmela Cardama Baez caught her. Do you remember that? And actually got even with her, almost passed her with like 50 meters to go. And then Kaladi surged back uh, to get the win. And it was really strange because we just thought Kaladi, okay, she's going to run away with these things, right? If she's ahead with 800 to go, she's just going to put the hammer down and then go. So, Kaladi comes to the mix zone and the the setup in, in Austin was a little complicated and, and complex. So it, sometimes it took them longer to get there. So it was a reasonably big crowd waiting to interview her. So Lincoln and I, because of just happenstance, we ended up to be sort of at the back of that group, right? So we could, it was, and when you're at the back, it's kind of hard to get harder to get questions in because you, you can't really hear when they're done talking. And you, you could be a jerk and just like scream stuff the whole time, but you don't really like those people if they do that. And listen, it's not like NFL media day. It's, it's a track meet. So you calm down a little bit. You'll get your question. Yeah, yeah. In any event, she was a couple questions in and then Lincoln, and this was just like no filter Lincoln. And he didn't mean any offense by it, but yells, did you think you blew it? <laughs> from the back. I mean, from the, she probably the did. Back. Yeah. <laughs> But it was just so funny because everybody else was couching their questions and just and it's, it was what everybody wanted to know, like what sort of happened? Yeah. Like, did you slow down? Because uh, you thought you had it won? Did Baez just make a big push? Like, what actually happened? But what he came out with was, did you think you blew it? So from that point forward, I always joked with him that, like, before he went to interview someone, I said, make sure you ask if they blew it or not. Like, if they thought that they blew it, just. Anybody who didn't win, that was going to be his his go to question. So I I liked I liked uh, working with Lincoln at these events and on the pod too. My I'm not sure it's my most favorite memory of Lincoln. I like how we're like arbitrating him. I mean he's still alive. He's still he's still our friend. So uh, just lives in Taylor, Texas. Uh, yeah. It's it has like a 
I don't know if it's not really a a, a funny thing. It was more of a, like a, just like a not. It was kind of funny. Uh, one night, I think it was a USA coverage or NCA coverage. A coverage in Eugene. So whether it was USA's mm-hmm. or NCA's, it was probably both. Whatever. Uh, but we were spending the night. We had an early flight at like six a.m. and we were spending the night at Taylor's like aunt's house. Because it was like closer to the airport, and she let us crash the night before the, our flight. I think we were at the Portland Track Festival the night before. Regardless, we were out late. We're back. We're sleeping in the basement. No windows in the basement, so it's really dark. And mm. we just pass out on the couch, and then a, and then we wake up at like seven thirty, and we had a six o'clock flight, six a.m. flight, and we're like, "What happened?" Right? And then we look at our phone, and then it just says from Meg and Taylor, "We left." And we're like, wait a minute, our two colleagues just left us in, in a random stranger's oh. basement. Like, why didn't they wake us up and like go to the airport with us? And they're like, because we had two rental cars, so we could have, you know, gone together. You know, you know, they could just take the car and be like, hey, we'll figure it out. And we were so confused. And they told us that they woke us up and we said, okay, we're ready to, we like talk to them. And we don't remember this. Apparently, we sleepwalked, like confirming that we were getting up, and we never happened. And then we were missing the flight, and it was this whole thing. And it was, it was a wild uh, twelve hours to get back to Austin because uh, we had to change our flight, and just people were upset with us. But it was funny. We slept, walked apparently in the middle of the night, saying, "Yeah, we're ready to go." And yeah, Megan yeah. Taylor just <laughs> left. And it was a weird situation. So. Never – my my advice, if you're traveling with a, another party and they say, yes, we're, we'll meet you we'll meet you at the airport, double check. Shake them, throw some water on them to make sure they actually mean that they're going to meet you at the airport because we did not meet them at the airport. Anyway, so <laughs> that's just a memory of yeah. Lincoln. I think he left yeah, flow just... like a month later after that. So because <laughs> he's like, oh, the right. first time? That, was, that, was, that was the end of the first season. He's like, okay, I can't do this anymore. And then we had to take a – sabbatical before oh. he came back for season two okay so that was the season that was the season finale of of season one Lincoln yeah was he's stuck in a portland uh apartment of someone he doesn't know when does season three come out when do we get season three of lincoln you know well you you're talking we... about him coming on as like a guest maybe it's not as a recurring role but because he was such a favored character he comes back and he pops up every now and then maybe that's the maybe that's the future of of lincoln on this show yeah, Not we should have him on as like a monthly, a monthly guest where he just gets to rant about something. Yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, I, I think everybody enjoyed the Lincoln rants throughout the years. Right? Yeah, especially uh, some, remember when he some of the more people more thought it. out than others. People love this marathon project rant when he uh, <laughs> look. I dunked all over I'm, the marathon project. <laughs> I don't think he dunked all over the marathon project. I think I thought that was fair. What he was saying. And I, 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 like, some of his takes are bad, and just like yours, some of your takes are bad. And I feel like, hey, I'll say, you know, Gordon, not not your best idea, or hey, Gordon, that's a, that's a decent idea. Same thing with Lincoln, but the idea that that Galen Rupp would have run really fast on a really fast course, that's not news. Why is that? Why is that? Why is that breaking news that somebody fast would run pretty fast on a course now? 204, I mean, you could say 204 versus 205. Okay, you want to quibble with those minor details. But the point, the point he was, the larger point he was making was this, 
this generation, um, it, you know, they haven't closed the gap to relative to Rupp, right? And since Rupp is the guy who's challenging, uh, you know, he's the best in the United States, and he's the one who's challenging and, and for medals and top three spots at majors. That's the mark. That's the true marker of success. And it and also, are you going to really say if Ritz didn't get on that course in his prime, or Hall didn't get on that course in his prime, or Meb? whatever, they wouldn't have torn it up. I mean, that's, that's kind of, I think that's overthinking it on other people's parts. Of course, of course they would have. So I actually didn't think it was one of his worst. Now it was one of his last takes before he left us, but I don't think it was one of his worst takes. Can we, can we just start a rumor that that was what did him in that like all the oh, yeah. meet the, the social media outrage towards him uh, saying that Galen Rupp <laughs> is fast <laughs> was, was he the lost last his job. Strong the, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why'd you lose your job? Takes. It's just takes. Just takes, too many man. takes. No, yeah, I think he didn't that lose would, his job that, for the record. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be well. Come on, if you're gonna start a rumor, um, no, no, I, I mean, that's a that's akin to saying, like, oh yeah, you put Jordan on the Bulls right now, he'd probably be the leading scorer. I mean, okay, yeah. And then all the Zach is it, Zach Levine fans or stands are like, oh, yeah. this is disrespectful. <laughs> You guys yeah. don't know Kobe White's anyway. out there saying what 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 do you what, what do you know about what do you know about Michael Jordan that I don't? Well, he was really good. Um, okay, let's move on to the to the news, and then we will get to our predictions for 2021. Another person leaving the running world, slightly more prominent than Lincoln, I'll say. Uh, Kyle Merbert, he posted this last night to Instagram. Gordon, I'll read it here. It says, "Well, I knew I'd have to make this post eventually. I'm not done running." I'm just done getting paid for it. Sometime in the last couple of years, I realized I was no longer getting nervous before races. At first, I thought it was due to health issue or lack of fitness, but then I found those things and it was only the fire that was missing. 2020 was a blessing in the sense that it gave me time to fully explore those emotions. I don't like to say I'm retiring. Real runners don't retire. I'm merely rearranging priorities. So what's next? I'm in the process of trying to figure that out. And they went on to thank his sponsors and his agent for the opportunity to live out this dream. What do you think? About Kyle Merber, one of – I mean, you've worked with Kyle Merber before. Um, I was going to say maybe you are the common denominator here. Like you worked with Lincoln and he's no longer here. You worked with Kyle Merber at the NCAA broadcast and he's longer here. But, yeah, so Kyle Merber uh, no longer pursuing professional running. Yeah, I mean, if you look at his – I mean, the last time he was kind of like in his prime – was what would you say? I mean, 2017, 15, 16, 2017. 17 were his three best years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 17 Had a lot of injuries. Running, yeah, a lot of injuries. Yeah, 2018 he still ran 337. Uh, then 2019 and 2020. It's one of those weird things about this sport. I mean, we talked about it with when Ritz retired. Like Ritz retired the same year as Merber. It's like weird. I don't know. Like these, yeah. these uh these timelines and schedules of when uh, at like Dwayne Solomon retired this year as well. I mean, I guess this year as in technically we say Kamar retired in 2021, but uh, it's just interesting to see how the end of a professional athlete's career works. Like it's so much simpler in like the, like the NFL NBA, like, you know, the contract, you know, like it's like, Everyone knows that person is retired, right? It's just like a weird, like it's like a slow burn at the end. Um, and I think, I guess a lot of these athletes, luckily, like Merber said, 
had to 2020 where they can kind of they don't need to do another year of running three 45s 1500s for an entire season to like recognize like hey i think i think my time on the on top is over so i think 2020 is a blessing for him like he said like hey yeah it allowed me to like recognize like i'm not 24 anymore you know and just like eyes wide open and just loving traveling to Europe. You know, now he's married. I'm sure he's, you know, going to start family eventually probably and do do adult-like things. And I think Hoka got their bang for their buck in Kyle Merber's career. That's that's all I can say. Mm-hmm. Right? Would you say that he's probably one of the most, like, uh, what's a return on investment? I bet he had the highest return mm-hmm. on investment than any professional 1,500-meter runner you could have outside of, like, an Olympic champion like Centro. So – yeah. Uh, hey, like he has he has the career of that everyone dreams of. I mean, obviously, he probably would want it to have made a world team, you know, because that's why we do it, right? You want to represent Team USA, but he did get to go to world at world relays. He was on that world record team where he ran the twelve hundred. Uh, mm-hmm. He had he's run some very fast times, three thirty four. This is uh, fifteen hundred PR. Um, he won the Milrose mile in high school uh mm-hmm. i mean i think everyone in the everyone would be really would take his uh career any day of the week and uh mm-hmm. nothing to be ashamed of and he's gonna be still relevant in the sport i think for you know next 10 20 years uh because of his personality he'll have some great takes uh, he'll he'll replace the takes that Lincoln is leaving us with, you know, and uh, maybe we'll we'll get an honest Kyle Murray because I'll be honest, there's a lot of things I've had some conversations with him and he keeps things to like you know when you get him in, in a cl- in a closed room you can get the truth out of him and he, he he has you know he'll he'll keep some of his takes to himself because he has a big platform but you know I think he uh, I'm excited yeah. when he's gonna be free of. You know, hey, I'm paid by a sponsor, free of all that stuff, and he can just be himself. I mean, he already was himself, but he can be even more himself because now there's no one paying him, which I guess is a problem, right? Because you want someone to pay him because he made it. He just made a joke tweet today. He says, mm-hmm. "I am overwhelmed by all the support of the announcement that I'm unemployed or something like that," which I thought was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like everyone Listen. is congratulating me for not having a job, and I was like, "Yeah, it's it's a good point. It's funny." Yeah, yeah. Listen, he did something that very few runners do, but pretty much everybody our age and around our age talks about, Gordon, this whole idea of building a brand, and it's become so cliche, and everybody talks about it, and he actually did it, and his was real within the sport of running to the point where that was almost more important than his results, and I say that as a compliment because he made people care about his personal journey and we've seen this firsthand just in terms of how much interest interviews that he would do would garner or how much support we'd see that he would get in in these races for somebody who didn't have olympic medals didn't have world championship medals didn't come in as a five-time ncaa champion but he was doing something that a lot of people were trying to do and not able to do and that was build a fan base. Was it as big as an NBA player or an NFL player? No, but amongst the running world, 
he had a he had a strong following and he still has a strong following you can see it just as as you mentioned in in all the congratulations and all the well wishes uh, that that he's getting on Instagram and I, I just think that's I think that's noteworthy I also noticed a a post it was I think it was from Drew Hunter last night talking about how like Merber kind of paved the way because if you look at what Tinman Elite is doing where they're trying to be very fan centric and fan focused I think Merber might have set a template not not in the sense of like not in the sense just of of running but all the things that people can do to connect with um, the fan base outside of running and it wasn't like this big splashy thing right it wasn't like oh i'm gonna start this massive youtube operation and i'm gonna hire a business manager it was just him being himself and taking advantage of his personality which what which is yeah. probably what made it work right yeah 100 percent um it only works if you're genuine right i hate mm -hmm. the, the fake brand type people you see on like instagram yeah. and twitter who just you know you're like we know what you're doing yeah it's not that's not you in reality. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, he, uh, I thought one cool little trope that Matthew Sentiments commented or like responded yeah. to one of his announcement, one of his announcement tweets or yeah. And talked about how he helped uh, rabbit him during a workout that he did uh, in 2016. That kind of was like the key workout that showed that he was Olympic gold medal contender uh level mm -hmm. and uh, it's kind of cool it's like there's little things you don't know about right because workouts aren't public all the time and you know it's kind of cool that merber is a type of person who's like yeah i'll, I'll hop into a, i'll pace you and yeah hey it, it resulted in this you know this other athlete having the confidence to go out there and uh win olympic gold in 2016 so it's pretty cool yeah 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 well and as you you know, Lincoln is the brand guy here, so it's unfortunate that he's not on this episode, but you're right about his contribution to Hoka in the same way you know, Meb with Skechers and Kara Goucher with Skechers. It's like no one associated that company with that level of running until they came along. And I think um, Kyle, Leo Manzano as well too, right? But Merber just got their name out there a lot and, and established them. And obviously that's, kind of coming to an end as it relates to the New Jersey New York track club, you know, they're no longer sponsoring it, but for this, for the, you know, the time span of his career, he certainly um, elevated them and put them in a, in a, in a prominent, prominent spot that would not have been uh, as easy to achieve without someone with his, with his communication skills and also his ability to, uh, to run fast times. Yeah. So, all right. Lots of sponsor news, though. As we predicted, yeah. and we we talked about before, the end of the year brings on the end of the the contracts for a lot of athletes. So, you saw some people talk about resigning. You saw other people leaving. For example, uh, Ryan Hill announced that he's leaving Bowerman Track Club. Sandy Morris, the pole vaulter, was with Nike. Said that she's now signed with Puma. So there's a lot of shuffling and, and people moving around and contracts not getting renewed. And it's especially weird as we've talked about Gordon, because this is a, this is an Olympic year and usually the contracts don't end that way. So this is going to be a particularly awkward set of circumstances, but did any contract situations stand out to you that you've 
heard about so far? Well, I think one is um, Molly Seidel uh, being, I don't know if it's the word dropped is the right word by Saucony, but not re- not being with Saucony in 2021. Uh, she was commenting on, I think, Strava or something like that with a, just a fan, and she made a statement that Saucony isn't going to sponsor her in 2021. Uh, I forget her exact quote, uh, but it was something like, you know, it was like uh, they didn't, I don't know, I forget what it was. Now, it could be that Seidel asked for more money and Saucony didn't want to offer it. It could be that Saucony had budget cuts. You know, you don't mm-hmm. know the whole reason of why a, a shoe sponsor stops supporting an athlete. It could be Seidel hey, I got a better offer here, try to match it. They refuse to match it. You know, it could be a mixture of things. But it is kind of – it's it's wild to see this breakout star in the marathon go out there, make an Olympic team in, like, her marathon debut. Was that her marathon Mm -hmm. debut? Yeah. And then, I mean, last person to do that was Galen Rupp, right? Uh, Then, you know, literally before the Olympics even happen, the sponsor's like – I'm out. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of wild. Now I think about it, the sponsor kind of if you with the whole rule 40 and all this stuff. Yeah. Saucony sponsoring Molly Seidel at the Olympics is a lot less valuable than sponsoring Molly Seidel at the Olympic trials. Cuz like no one's yeah. going to know that she runs for Saucony at the Olympics. She's going to have a USA kit with a Nike swoosh on it and no one's going to know. No one's going to be zooming in on her feet whereas at the Olympic trials, the photos are all going to be wearing a Saucony kit mm-hmm. and, you know, you're going to see that all. So it is kind of interesting that, you know, you would think like, hey, this is the this is the one person you don't want to not resign, but maybe – so I'm, I'm guessing it's – I really think these shoe companies all have a weird budget w- world right now with, yeah. you know, the timing of the Olympics being pushed a year, then pandemic budgeting and all that stuff. So – there's just like these weird situations where you see first time Olympian get dropped before the Olympics even happen. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. Well, we don't, you're right. We don't know the circumstances of it, but certainly her contract ended in 2020 as yeah. many people, people's did. And then that puts you in a weird spot because they thought that they would be getting her through the Olympics. And you see the cycle <laughs> of these different companies that, some are on the upswing and then some are scaling down. We talked about Hoka already. Nike, ever since John Capriotti left, there's been rumblings about how there's going to be less money put into their their budget for for track and field. Although it's Nike's so big, it's hard to tell. Like, Are they dropping those people because of budget reasons? Or are they dropping those people just because they didn't hit the performance metrics and they don't need to spend it? But then on the other side of it, you see people and companies on the upswing like Under Armour that's supporting more groups on running, which we talked about last year, Puma, those ones entering the game. And it just, it's interesting to see the, the life cycle of these different shoe companies and groups within the sport. Yeah. And it's, and it's back, it's back and forth, right? It's roller coaster, right? Cause there was a time mm-hmm. when like Puma was a lot more invested like 10 years ago or like, mm-hmm. I'm, what is it? Puma used to do a thing at Mount Sac where they had like the Puma Mile, where like oh, yeah, you yeah, yeah. win the mile and you get sponsored. You know, so yeah. I think it's these marketing budgets that these shoe sponsors have. You know, there's times when they get the money and then they spend it, and then they're like, "Hey, 
don't do that anymore. And they stopped doing it for a few years. And then they're like, hey, what can we do more? Hey, let's spend the money again. And it's like, all right, we'll yeah. go back and forth. It's this weird up and down situation with marketing budgets. And you, it's, it, it doesn't make sense because I think it's all about like the way businesses work. Like businesses always look like, how can we save money? Hey, we cut back. Okay. How can we grow? Hey, we'll spend money again. Okay. How can we save yeah. after growing? Cut back. He's like, all right, let's grow. All right. Now let's reduce. Let's grow. And it's just fake business, right? That's how it works. Well, it's people. It's people dependent. And one person comes in and their vision is what everybody follows. And then they leave or they move on or their boss decides something differently. And then it, it just changes. It's not, I don't think the infrastructure is big enough to withstand the the whims of random people. It's not as if it's just this well-oiled machine that's going to chug along because it's making money and it doesn't take an example. Like if Roger Goodell is replaced by somebody as the commissioner of the NFL tomorrow, does it make a tangible difference in terms of their bottom line? Probably not. No, not really. Correct. Yeah. I mean, unless the, unless the person was just took it in a completely different direction that we couldn't foresee. Right. But it just, it keeps, it keeps chugging forward. Right. The person, the, the CEO of Costco is going to keep making Costco money, right? But, but, but these, but like with these shoe companies within, and within the small world of track and field, I think it's small enough to where the individual people matter, which is why you're seeing the rotation, right? Oh, Reebok is, I remember when Fila was sponsoring, you know, you probably don't remember Fila. Grant Hill used to wear Fila. Shout out to one of the NBA's best players. Um, Fila and started. Those were two great brands. Remember yeah, 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 yeah. Right, but but like Fila had a had a had a time when they were sponsoring running, but I don't think it ever was big enough to where it just became self sustaining and obvious of like, okay, we're going to keep doubling down and running. We're going to keep we're going to keep sponsoring professional athletes in in the sport of track and field. Yeah, if you really think about it, there are probably like six to seven individuals who have just a desk job, who are sitting, who like control like the fate of a large percentage of our professional athletes in track and field. And, you know, because like you said, if they're like, hey, we're going to invest in a training group in New Jersey, New York, and give them funding. And then that blossoms like multiple people being able to have a career for a year or two or three. And then that person can you know, be like, we're going to not do that anymore. And then those people probably aren't going to be able to have those opportunities or an even new, like, it's kind of crazy how we really are controlled the whim of random marketing directors at different sh shoe companies, you know, because yeah. it's like, Hey, uh, we need to cut a hundred thousand dollars this year. Okay. All right. And then two people basically lose their careers. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Weird. Right. This is wild. Yeah. Well, and you, that gets compounded by the big players in the room. If Nike decides, oh, we're going to start seven elite training groups throughout the United States, and we're going to pay base salaries of 60000 plus cost of living, et cetera, that changes everything for everybody else because those, those, those groups are now established and they're out there. And then on the flip side of things, when they, when they contract, when they make cuts, when they drop people – then, then it, it the whole market turns in a different direction too. So yeah, you're right though. It's it's very fickle, and it's being it's being handled when it's being handled by the marketing 
Arma thing, which is kind of what you're what what you're saying, right? They're not. Nick Simmons always made this point. He's like, I'm not an employee of Nike. I'm an independent contractor, right? So it's not like they're they're not like they're employed and they have the stability of of being an employee. I remember Ben True talking last year, <laughs> World saying he was racing a bunch because he wanted to qualify for the health insurance through uh, like through a grant. So he had to have his his ranking needed to be at a certain at a certain level for him to get it. So it's not like I mean, and Ben True is one of the best five thousand meter runners in the United States, right? I mean, it's not it's not like this is a random, you know, fourteen oh five kid with a dream who's just like going out there and trying to trying to make it happen. Like Ben True is is a name. He's a, he's a big deal. So yeah, it's it's crazy when you put it in that terms of oh, there's only a couple people here who have their finger on this entire this entire operation. So I don't know. I'm sure we're going to hear more stuff in the next week or two. Have you heard any any rumblings from your sources that you have? Uh, no. I mean, we're still waiting for the whole Puma announcement, right? Because we kind of with Taylor Warner and all them, the North Carolina group. Like it hasn't really. We reported it, but there hasn't been like the official like launch of Puma's investment in running. It's still kind of. Still under wraps. Maybe they're waiting till spring to make the announcement. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but I haven't heard anything else right as of right now. Um, but yeah, so nope, no All news. Right. Let's go to predictions for 2021. That's okay. That's okay. You're just warming up. Let's first though look back at last year's 2020 predictions to see who got what right. Uh, Gordon, you predicted a global pandemic will cancel all of the season and will begin the day of NCAA indoors, which I thought was good. You also picked uh, NAU men score under 30 points at the 2020 NCAA XC championships with only one senior in the top five. So technically, that could yeah, te- that could still happen <laughs> because the 2020 NCAA cross country championships are happening in March. So technically, yeah. I still have that one potential uh kenya's emmanuel career breaks the 800 meter world record in the olympic final i don't know if you want to back up on that one you have grant holloway runs wind legal sub 10 i like that pick that was a good one and then the usc women i really like this one win every sprint hurdle event indoors and outdoors that was a good one and i think they yeah. could have done it i think they could have done it i think could have done um, too. so yeah you talk about the missed opportunities, USC women, that would have been one. I mean, I think they'll still have, they're still obviously going to have a really solid team, but that that group last year was special. Uh, Lincoln had Norman beats Wade Van Niekerk and breaks the 400 meter world record in Tokyo. Kipchoge will be beat at the London Marathon. Hey, good job, one. Lincoln. You know, not too a little too late. Maybe we should bring him back. Uh, Shelby will win 1500 meter gold in Tokyo. I had both high hurdle world records will be broken. U.S. men will break the four by one world record, and U.S. women will win a medal in every mid distance slash distance event at the Olympics. Can I run some of these back and, for twenty twenty one? Is that fair? Can I, do that? I was thinking the same thing, right? None of yeah, you know, it's it is kind of wild how like basically all of our predictions were tied to a championship race, most of them mm-hmm. for that matter. So when we don't have that, basically all of our predictions are null and void. Like if if this were like a betting site, would we mm-hmm. get our money back for a lot of these predictions? 
Like, is it yeah, considered I think, a, yeah, a wash? Yeah, I think... Yeah, well, yours... The career thing, I think you get a wash on because you put Olympic final in there. Obviously, USC women, you get a wash. Maybe you maybe you lose money on the Grant Holloway because he had the opportunity to run a sub-10. Hundred yeah. and he should have put and he screwed you over. I should come on, Grant. I should have put Michael Norman. I should have put Michael yeah. Norman. Yeah. I should have done. Okay, do you have any I to should've. add then? Do you have any to add for this year? You have new ones. Okay, so our, wait. Well, we have to make. So our twenty twenty one predictions going to be rehashing our twenty twenty ones and then add more, or can we like remove some of our twenty twenty predictions? Because you, I don't. You can I, remove. I think I need to remove some. Yeah, because some of my 2020 predictions I don't want to keep. I don't yeah. want to parlay them into 2021. I don't want to do that. You can throw all of them out. You can amend some of them. You can keep them as is, and you can add yeah. entirely new ones. It's up to you. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna. So I had my four. I'm gonna amend some. So USC women win every sprint hurdle event indoors and outdoors. That's not happening. I'm taking that out. Okay. I think uh, Chanel Brissett transferred to Texas. I think just there's gonna be another other. They're not going to dominate the way I thought they would. LSU's mm -hmm. got some fast sprinters, etc. So that's not happening. Grant Holloway wants to win legal sub 10, 100 meters. That is happening. I'm going to stay. I'm going to keep that one. Holding on to that. I'm I still right. think Grant's going to do that. Emmanuel Career breaking the 800 meter world record. You know, I want to hold on to this. This is my yearly prediction that I make. Is that I think Emmanuel Career is going to shock the world. Um, you know what? I'm going to hold on to it. No, it. no, you can go. No, let's leave things in the past in 2021. Listen, this, yes, this is a bold <laughs> prediction because there's like no chance this is going to happen. Because, but here's the thing if I get rid of it and won, it happens, it's going to be the worst. It's going to be the worst feeling ever because I'll be so mad at you for you telling me to, to get out now. You know, this is my, I'm, I got just, if I just go all in on red one more time. I think I can get all my money back. That's what I'm saying. That's what I think. So you're you're picking him not only to beat a bunch of guys who he's not better than, namely Donovan Brazier, but then he's also going to beat David Radisha. I mean, if anybody breaks the world record this year in the 800, which I don't okay. think is going to happen, I'll, it's I'll not going it. to be him. But you can I'll keep it. it. That's I'll fine. It. I just no, I'll mend it. I'm amending it. Hill. I'm going to amend it. The world record will be broken in the 800. That's all. I'll say. Okay. I'm not yeah. going to say who or where, but the world record will be broken in the 800. Okay. What else? And then uh, I still think NAU scores under 30 points at NCAAs. Okay, so you're keeping Holloway. You're amending the career pick to just say the men's 800 record will be broken. You think NAU scores under 30, and then you're taking out the USC one. So that's it? Those three? Yeah, I have a few others, but I'll let you – Okay. Amend and add what you're doing first. So my three, both high hurdle world records will be broken. That was me kind of saying, hey, everybody's paying attention to the foreign hurdles, but the high hurdles, it's vulnerable. I'm glad that I wasn't held accountable for that pick in 2020 because I don't think it would have happened even if there were a season, but I'm going to run it back for this year. I think it's possible. So I'm going to keep that one. U.S. men break the world record in the four by one. So now we don't have Coleman. So I think that obviously changes things. So I'm going to – but we do have Bromel. Hmm. Yeah. We have Bromel now. Okay, I'm keeping that one too. U.S. women will medal in every mid-distance distance event at the Olympics. 
I'm also going to... Yes, I'm keeping that one. Because one of my picks, my new picks, I didn't look at these ones before I did my new picks. One of my new picks was that the U.S. women will medal in the five. And that obviously would change the game because they've never medaled in the five. And that's the hardest medal to get for them. Although the 10 will be hard too. Who's going to medal in the five? Schweizer. Schweizer? Or Houlihan if she she runs it. But it's going to be Schweizer. Schweizer is going to break the streak. Houlihan will be 15. Yeah. I don't know, man. So I'm keeping all those. I still feel like it's going to be hard for a U.S. woman to medal in the five. I think it's going to be – here's a pick for you. It's going to be harder for the U.S. women to medal in the 100 than it is in the 5,000. How about that for a turn of events? No, no, no. I disagree with that. Well, you start off 2021 with a bad take. <laughs> no, this is impossible to prove because, I mean, I guess if they swept the 100, then it would be a moot point. But what? there's there's no there's no main. Okay, there's I'll, no main. How about this? Okay, how about this? I will do this. I will predict that the highest finisher, the highest American finisher at the Olympics in the 5K versus the highest woman's finisher in the 100, American. Like, like an American will finish higher in the 100 than in the 5K at Olympics. Do you want to make that bet? And well, you think it'll a be a 5K that, has to do with the, that doesn't have anything to do with the prediction. Look, 2019 well, World said, Championships... Yes, I'm just saying you that just, as, a, as, as a point of context, just because it's an, an, a notable thing. It's just interesting to see how things yeah, have changed. That's true. I think the women's, yeah. the women's 10 is going to be – the women's 10 is going to be really hard though too, but I'm going to stick with it because these are bold predictions. They're not just any sort of predictions. They're bold predictions. Just look at the U.S. women's 100-meter depth right now as it relates to the world and then look at the U.S. women's 5,000 10,000-meter depth relative to the world. Just, just look at it. That's all I'm saying. Do your research, I, as Mike yes. Holloway would say. To no, well, I have done my research, and my research is that Another there will be an American woman who will break out in the hundred more likely. Like, there's someone right now training. It's like, yeah, they they had they haven't looked good l- lately, but someone you know someone's gonna run out there and run like a ten eight. You know, an American's run we're gonna run a ten eight, and then we'll be like, all right. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I just if, think it'd be Shakira Richardson if Shakira Richardson can get back to where she was her freshman year at LSU, she'd be the, she'd be the candidate, but it's just interesting that we're having that. It's even, I, I just like how events change. Like some events seem like, Oh yeah, the U S is going to dominate him forever. Jamaica's going to dominate him forever. Kenya's going to dominate him forever. And then you just see how a couple, a couple of years go by and things change. Hey, we're on it. We're on a tangent. This is not, that's not a prediction. I'm going to stick with my prediction that they medal though. In every single event, 100, 200, all the way through 10,000 steeple, everything they're going to medal. At least one. And every running event. Boom. Every running event, right? Every running event. I think the hardest one, I think I think they'll get one in the hundred. They'll they'll get one of the two. I think obviously the four. They'll they'll probably be looking at a bronze there if Melawebo and NASA run. Eight hundred, they're fine. Fifteen, I think Shelby and maybe Jenny, obviously are the main two candidates there. Steeple is gonna be easy peasy. Fine. Five and ten will be hard. Both the hurdles are locks. Four by one, four by four are locks. Go. Okay. Your turn. I got new so, ones too. Okay, give me your first new one. Okay. My first new one. Well, I'll take out U.S. women meddling for the first time in the 5,000. I'll take that out because it's covered by the other one. Uh, how about this one, Gordon? Hit U.S. Me. This is Now this is a bold prediction. And I know my friends from 
a bunch of other countries are going to, you know, that email us at flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com and say, Kevin, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. But this is a bold prediction, which means what's, what's a bold mean? Like less than 25% chance of happening, less than 10% chance of happening. Something like that. If we're doing a, if we're yeah. being a betting site, uh, us men sweep the hundred. And who are, who, who, who are those three men? One of those men is Noah Lyles. Another one of those okay. men is Trayvon Brumel. And the third man, I mean, you could say Baker. You could say Gatlin. Somebody's going to get in there. But if you look at the relative strength of the men's 100 worldwide right now, it's ripe for the picking. And I think Lyles and Bromel are going to establish themselves as the clear one and two. And then DeGrasse from Canada will be fighting there with, with whoever else the U.S. sends for the bronze. Like it. Okay, good. I'm glad you like one of my picks. All right, should I get my bold prediction? Yeah. This is a bold prediction that I was denying all of 2020. I was just in mm. den- I denied it and I kept on denying it and I would continue I was denying it all the way up until January 31st. I mean December 31st of 2020. My bold prediction is Kira D'Amato makes the Olympics. Mm. 10,000, I'm assuming? I think, yes, 10,000. I think she just finds a way. She stays healthy, and, and she makes the Olympics. Crazy things happen. You know, it's not doesn't always go to form of, like, the fastest three runners make it. Something weird is going to happen. I think, I think Rachel Schneider will win it handedly. I think she'll win. And then... I think Kira's going to find a way to get that third spot. I think, you know, there's, you know, you have obviously you have Huddle and Sisson and Infeld and you have a, a, a few others and you the the Hoka women. I just feel like Kira is just going to be there. I think, I don't know. I just have that feeling. I think, yeah. For some, I mean, Kira D'Amato, I think, can beat Emily Sisson straight up right now in a marathon. I don't know. I think a marathon? That. Yeah. No. Or I Maybe think in, in, in any race. In any race. I mean, uh-huh. we we are we project all this like greatness on Sisson and Huddle. Huddle because of experience and Sisson because of the young age and like up and coming and the you know. But and we just dismiss Kira D'Amato because she's an unsponsored. She's like late to the game. She's you know, all this not baggage, but like just like reasons to like deny it. But like when you just look at what she did in 2020 and like mm-hmm. it just eventually you got to just accept that she's good, you know, mm-hmm. or like it, it not be like, Oh yeah, it's cool that she's have she's there. She's running with the big girls. It's like, she is the big girl. I think now. And I think the marathon project solidified it. She had a massive marathon PR. And I think that was indicative of, you know, she would not have run that if she didn't have her 2020 season of all the confidence boosting races leading up to that. You know, I think she would have stayed the 15th best marathoner in the U S if it wasn't for having we, the, you know, the five K PR, then the 10, you know, all this stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's my old prediction. And I denied it all 2020. I was always like, Oh, she'll be in it in the last mile. Now I'm like, no, she's going to be in it in the last 10 meters. So, if you could bet on these types of things, and if you placed this bet last year at this exact time, you would make oh my somewhere upwards so of a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Because they're like, who? 
Who? Who and that, not and if I made the bet even before the trials, before she even runs like the trials and gets fifteenth, because at least when you get fifteenth at the trials, you're like, oh, okay, that's pretty good, right? Yeah, but I, yeah. if you make this bet January one, twenty twenty, and yeah. you parlay it that there won't be an Olympics, oh my goodness, billions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, another one I had here. Um, I think the fastest men's marathon will come from outside of Berlin which is relatively rare. Now, last year aside, because last year it was Valencia because there was no Berlin Marathon. But if you take out last year, you got to go all the way back to 2011, Boston, the Jeffrey Mutai 20302 perfect weather year for the last time Berlin did not host the fastest men's marathon of the year. I think that's going to change this year because I think the marathon schedule is going to be so scrambled because of the uh, the pandemic. So – not a really exciting prediction. Again, this was tough to figure out. So that's what I'm going with, though. There's going to be some race like in the early spring or late winter, I think, that that people really get going on because the, they're going to capitalize on the fact that there's no majors in the, in, in the spring season this year. And the London course, if they run that same looped course, I guess it could be fast. It's hard to tell because last year – the weather slowed everything down. So men's marathon, Berlin will not host the fastest men's marathon of 2021. It's a, it's kind of, that's very a vanilla. It's, it's like, okay. okay, I got another how many one for people, it. I'll do two in a row. How many people I'll keep track of like which marathon had the fastest marathon? Like I do, that's like a weird thing that I you didn't. like, no, like, how many people up. on the side of the street can even, you know, like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's a, well, this was crazy. Did you know that this is the year where the fastest marathon was in a different city? I'm, I'm giving well, you a hard time. I'm being mean. I'm being they mean. 12, but, yeah, 13, 14, yeah. 15, 16, 17, 18. I mean, that is crazy. Like eight years in a row, it was in the yeah. same spot. I don't know. Okay, I'll give you another one. I'll give you two for one here. I'll give you two for one. Uh, men's 1500. Do you have anything about the men's 1500 on your list? Mm-mm. Okay, I think Timothy Cherry breaks the world record. How's that? To people on the street? Do they talk about the men's 1,500-meter world record? Because they're about to, Gordon. 326.00, Hishimel Garouge. Uh, it's going down probably in Monaco, if not there. Maybe in one of those post-Olympic races. There's a lot of diamond leagues post-Olympics. I think Chariot has just room to grow with this record. A lot of his other attempts, the pacing has been kind of wonky. I think he's going to get in the perfect situation, and we're going to see the 1,500-meter record go down this year i'm i'm gonna parlay off of your prediction i'm gonna take that prediction but i'm Mm -hmm. gonna group it with he will break the world record in monaco but then lose to inga Bertson in the olympic final so Mm. he'll go in as a world record holder and then lose okay that's my okay that's my parlay on that on on your I'm, i'm piggybacking off your prediction i do have a NCA prediction. You know, I was trying to come up with an NCAA prediction and I really couldn't because we have even less information about the NCAA athletes. So what qualifies as a bo- you could say Luis Kohlhoff is going to win nine NCAA titles. You're like, is that really that bold? He's he's really fast right now. I don't know. I got bold. What counts? Yes, as bold? I was thinking. Okay, you ready for the bold? So at yeah, first, yeah. I was going to say this team was going to podium at NCAA's, but I was like, that's not fun. You know, he's like, okay, cool. You get fourth. I'm going to say they're going to win NCAAs. 
Iowa State men are going to win NCAA outdoors. That's my bold prediction. Okay, so you got Fessel Sagat scoring 20 in the 8 and the 15. Where are the other points coming from? No, no, not 20. He only has to score 10. Okay. Maybe, yeah. You know who comes? They, they're going to go 1-2 in the 5 and 1-2 in the 10. Yeah. Because Edwin Kurgat will be back. And they'll have, uh, what's the guy's name? I forgot his name already. Wesley, Wesley Kipto? Kipto. Yeah, so Wesley Kipto and Edwin Kurgat go 1-2 in the 5, 1-2 in the 10. Fessis Lagat wins the 8 or the 15. Probably does the 8. All right? Maybe they the have other 800 Maybe guys. Maybe wins the steeple. Maybe Mastodon wins the steeple. They have other 800 guys. Uh, they have a, they'll they put just together 4x4 against like... Yeah, they think they just got someone, right? I thought they I got... So. I mean, you have the roster up there? I thought they got somebody. I don't know if they're a they're a scorer, but it was a name that I recognized. Uh, yeah, uh, wait, let me look this up. You're talking. Why not indoors? Is it because of the no? Because Edwin Kerr got does it? Oh, they got Alex Lamont. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's more of a that's like more of DMR piece. No. Yeah. The reason why this is a, a thing is because people forget that Edwin Kurgat is still at mm-hmm. Iowa State, who was the best cross, who was the best distance runner in the country. You know, now you could probably yeah. say Luis Gorhalvo has passed him, maybe, but they returned the best distance runner, and then they add in another guy who potentially could be one of the best, and they they're going to have a good one-two punch in outdoors, and then they have some eight hundred meter bodies. Hey, you never know. I'm going bold. It'll be a low scoring. Okay. I'm going to win it with forty. Let's do it. Okay. Well, if they go one, two in both, you're already at 36. So you don't need much more from yeah. the rest and of then the team. You win the, win the, and you win the eight, that's at 46. Yeah, that's tough. I think you're going to need something from one of these other events. You're going to need some some field event points or something in the uh, something in the throws, the multi, something like that. I don't know what they have. If they have any potential, I think they have, there. A, think they have a weight thrower. I think they have a shot putter or a weight thrower they could throw in there. Well, weight throw is not going to help you outdoors. It's just not well, going to do sh- much hammer good outdoors. <laughs> hammer, hammer. <laughs> you can bring hammer. your weight throw to outdoors if you want to. My this is not a bold prediction, so I didn't write it down. But the only thing I thought of when NCAA is just I think Whitney Orton's going to dominate cross for the women. But I mean. She's the top returner, and she comes back in seven. There's just nobody, you know, Donahue, Lawson, and then you get into a lot of inexperienced folks who could who could do it right with their lack of um, with their with with their good, you know, high school times and things like that. But I don't. Know. I just think she's the one established person there. So it's hard, though. It was hard to pick. Anything for indoors or outdoors. Oh, by the way, did you see? We got an email from someone. Um, they sent along Arkansas's home schedule. Did you see this? No. Oh, you're going to love this. Uh, unfortunately, we're not allowed in the building. But were we to be allowed in the building, you would love this. They're hosting like six home meets. Uh, shout out to who sent this? This was, uh, hold on, let me see. It's Justin who sent this. Thank you very much. Yeah, they have seven indoor meets. Okay, so SECs and NCAAs is two of them. But then they have these regular meets, the uh, the Ar- Arkansas Invite on the 16th of January. Then they have the Woo Pig Classic Arkansas 
Kentucky, LSU, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, USC, and Texas. Then the Razorback invite has Colorado, Georgia, Iowa State, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Oregon, USC, and Stanford. Then Arkansas qualifier has Arizona, Arizona State, Kansas, Kansas State, Missouri, UCLA, and Vanderbilt. So our whole theory about people staying close to home, I mean, maybe this is just because Arkansas has gotten the green light and everybody's able to travel. Okay. So there's just not going to be many indoor meets and the ones that are going to happen are going to be in Arkansas. Is that what you think? Okay. Yeah. And you think like, I don't think the UW meets are going to happen. Like, do you think the Seattle meets mm-hmm. will happen? Well, and, and I don't think the BU meets well, are happening. So if there's no, no BU and there's no Seattle. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how you do the Seattle meet with like restricted entry. I guess, yeah. you know, it's just that meet. A lot of it was not just about the college side of things, but everybody else who, who got into these meets, whereas these are fully formed collegiate, collegiate meets. Okay. I got, let's see. I only have one more. Not that bold. Women's 400 meter world record is going to go under 52 seconds this year. Not not that crazy. That's not crazy. How about both? I mean, it is crazy. Top... It is crazy, but it's also not that crazy. How about top two? How about if I say top two? How about Muhammad and McLaughlin are both going to break 52 seconds? Better? Good? No? Still not quite there? All right. I have a what bold prediction. Yeah. No, it's not bold. I have a prediction that will happen. Oh, yeah, and we're doing this pod three bo- times a week and not five times a week. We should have mentioned that at the top, too. We're doing three times a week on the pod, not five yeah. times a week on the pod. Sorry. Go ahead. Allison <laughs> uh, Felix won't make the Olympic team individually. She'll finish, but she will make it as a relay member. And the entire NBC coverage will be about her two Olympic golds that she gets in the relay and the co-ed relay. And it will be a big... Swan song hooray about the most decorated athlete of all time. That's that's basically gonna be the story of the Olympics is her winning a co-ed relay and her being the third fastest leg of the main relay because Muhammad and McLaughlin will be faster. That's my prediction. Can you hear me? I literally didn't hear any of that after Allison Felix. You cut out. Oh yeah. So yeah, I, I, I can just hear said you now. I, do you want to, I don't I know. just said Alan. Could we? Hit, could, could the other people? Could people hear Gordon? Can anybody yes. hear Gordon? Or should he repeat that? No, he should. I don't well, need to repeat it. He said uh, Alice, Alison Alan's Felix gone. is going to. Alan's already given up on us. <laughs> Alison Felix is going <laughs> to be decorated as a Christmas tree, uh, and then I think that's all I got out of that. Yeah. But no, everybody. Heard okay, it. so that's cut what off. I mean, no, everybody heard. Everybody it. Everybody heard Gordon. Gordon? Cut off. Everyone heard it. Okay. Everyone heard it. I don't okay. need to say it again. I just it's going to be a giant. It's going to be a giant. I can't say the, what the actual phrase is, but when oversaturation of praise of Allison Felix at the Tokyo Olympics, even though she won't be there individually, she'll just be there as a co-ed relay member and a fourth woman of the main four by four. Oh, I think yeah. she's going to make the. Wait, so you're saying she's going to make the four by four team? Yeah, because she'll finish in the top eight, and yeah. then she'll be on it. Yeah, yeah. As yeah, long as you yeah, make yeah, the yeah. final, you're going to be in the four by four, because of co-ed. Yeah, 
So they take. Eight. I think she could. I think. I think she can make it individually in the four. When when you look at how close she was last year or 2019, coming back on her first race, and you look at the rest of the women right now, in the in in the event, keep an eye, keep an eye on the collegians early season, right? Keep an eye in March and April to see if somebody from the college ranks is is popping, you know sub 51 mid 50 sort of times who will be a factor because if not that definitely opens the door for her we saw Irby had a pretty solid season last year so you have to account for her obviously Phils Francis Kendall Ellish Shakima Wembley but there isn't that huge huge pool of people yet emerge and probably a lot of that is because of the season being wiped out last year but if nobody from that college group emerges and is able to run sub, you know, 50.2, 50.3. Uh, I think her Felix's absolute floor is going to be make the final. And I think a couple breaks go her way. I think she can make the team. So somebody keep an eye on early season. Yep. Uh, so we'll just end this spot. What'd you get for Christmas? Did you buy yourself? I anything? got some socks. Socks. Some socks from the kids. Always get <laughs> socks. Uh, from my mother-in-law and then oh my son wanted matching shirts so they just googled matching t-shirts my wife and my son googled matching t-shirts and the ones that they could find were top gun themed so mine says maverick and his says goose even though he has no idea because he hasn't seen top gun i've seen top gun once or twice it's a fine it's a fine movie um but that's all that's cool what'd you get i got I'm wearing my Christmas gift, but it's probably the most it's the, the Eagles most ironic Christmas gift. Yeah. But guess who it's signed by? Wait. Carson Wentz? Yeah. <laughs> who oh. won't be an Eagle probably next year. It's like the worst time to Bring get a Carson to the Wentz signed. Bring that to the trials. Get that signed by Randall Cunningham, a true Eagles legend. That's what you need to do. Ooh. Yeah, try to collect them collect all the yeah, have a Cunningham Wentz signed hat. I don't think anyone has ever had well, that. Anyway, I, I just thought it was funny because obviously Carson Wentz is not, is done with the Eagles. So it's sad. Yeah, you guys got a new prospect coming up. I heard about that. I didn't watch the game, but I heard that that scout team guy is pretty good. So <laughs> anyway. so It's next, so funny tomorrow... to me. Hold on. I want to do an NFL digression. We normally do NBA digressions. Okay. I want to do a quick NFL digression. It's so funny to me how many people like dump on bad quarterbacks in the NFL. Now I get it because everybody, it's the national sport, right? Everybody watches it and everybody has opinions about it, yeah. but it's so hard to even make the NFL, especially playing. I mean, come on. Like we're talking about like, I don't know. It. I always get the feeling people watch and they're like, Oh, this guy's terrible. Well, he might be, but that's just kind of showing you how hard it is to be good at that position. Like you think yeah. that, people aren't trying to be quarterbacks in the NFL that all of a sudden everybody stopped trying to be good at the NFL. No, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of kids every year trying to get in that position. And the one that eventually gets through is the best candidate. It's just a very hard position to succeed at. I just think it's funny. It's like people are acting like it's like, it's a, it's a simple bang, bang, bang type of thing. I don't know. I mean, it's, just, I have it's the same thing. It's like, I mean, it's so hard to run four flat in the mile. <laughs> like, that's really hard to do. Yeah, if someone runs four flat in a mile, you're like, ah, right, whatever. Run 350 if you want well, to make an it, Olympic team. Well, right, yeah. Yeah, I, 
I know, but I, and I don't think track fans dump on those people. They're not like, oh, that person's trash. They're just like, oh, other people are better. Or it shows you how good yeah. Centro is or how good Ingebrigtsen is or Cherry is or whatever. It's just, it's just funny to me how people are like, man, quarterback play in the NFL is bad now. It's like, well, I don't know if it's bad. It's just the defense is caught up a little bit or – there might be a little bit of a lull, but it's, did, did, did like high schools and colleges stop teaching quarterbacks to throw the ball? Did that happen in the last five or 10 years? I don't know. I haven't been paying attention to football, so I'm probably way off on this. I just think it's funny. All I know is uh, this is going to be a great year for us, for the sport, but ultimately for the Philadelphia 76ers because they're 6-1 and one right now <laughs> as of this time. And uh, yeah, yeah. they're, they're going to start. They're going to have their own Golden State Dynasty starting this year. You heard it here first. Boom. Congrats on your multiple wins over your multiple wins over Charlotte, Charlotte Hornets. That was impressive. Your <laughs> Knicks victory was good. Uh, you were close against the. Oh no, you weren't that close against the Cavs. Sorry, that was tough. Tough loss. Uh, I think the Spurs started with the hardest schedule, and you guys started with the easiest schedule. It's kind of interesting how that worked out for the pod purposes. It is. Yeah. Well, best record in the NBA. We'll You're Philadelphia 76ers. We'll end it with that. Email All the right. pod. Thanks, everybody. Questions. Thanks. We'll talk to you guys later.